Today's reading consists of passages taken from the first and second chapters of Peter's letter. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct, for it is written, You should be holy, for I am holy. If you invoke as father the one who judges all people impartially according to their deeds, live in reverent fear during the time of your exile. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, ransomed not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, everyone. Do you join me 
and a short prayer before I begin. Father, the world you have given us to steward faces all kinds of challenges caused mainly by our selfishness and willful disobedience to your original blueprint for our lives. And yet, you have chosen the church to be your holy people and as beacons of light to guide others back onto the right path. Help us today to renew our strength and prepare ourselves to demonstrate how you intended your creation to work for the good of all nations and the glory of your name. We ask it. Amen. Well, three weeks ago, the uh, theme um, of our parish church service was gifts, spiritual gifts. And at the end, we were each given a small scroll. Here's mine. Um, It says, you are listened to, which, of course, is an encouragement for a lay preacher. And um, it had a quote from 1 Peter. So when I got home, I looked up 1 Peter in my King James version of the Bible and saw that I had sometime earlier highlighted 1 Peter 1.13, which said in that version, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And that expression just struck me, and I, and I realised that the message was meant for me. You know, I needed to shape up in all sorts of ways. So I embarked on a study of the whole letter in order to seek its wisdom and the courage and guidance to apply it. And it's been a blessing to me and I hope I can pass on some of that to you. But because I have just one Sermon, I've only been able to choose a few highlights from this powerful letter that Peter wrote while in Rome in AD 64, just months before he was crucified there in the persecution Nero instigated against the Christians, blaming them for the fire that destroyed large parts of the city in the summer of that year. Now, three decades earlier, Peter had infamously denied Christ at the time of his trial. But by now, Peter had matured into the solid and dependable leader of the apostles and of the rapidly expanding Christian church, which Nero must have regarded as a threat to his power and which he used as a convenient scapegoat for his own failings as a leader. And the persecution that he began has continued more or less for 2,000 years. Indeed, it's estimated that more Christians have been martyred for their faith in the last 100 years than the whole of the previous two millennia. Although mercifully in the British Isles we are spared violence, you only have to look at the media and the momentum 
of political correctness within government to recognise widespread anti-Christian sentiment that pervades the society in which we as Christians have been placed not only to survive but to flourish and to do good. So there are parallels between the atmosphere of the latter part of first century Rome and the Roman Empire and the world today which make Peter's letter relevant and helpful. So let's see how as we look at our first reading. one thirteen. Therefore, prepare your minds for action is our English translation, but literally in the Greek it's a much more colourful expression. Gird up the loins of your mind. And that um, brings to mind, doesn't it, if you've been to the Middle East or North Africa, the jalabas, you know, the long, loose robes that people wear and in order to walk they have to draw them up and tie them with a belt at the waist. So that's the expression that Peter used but today what would we say? We'd say shape up wouldn't we? We'd say wake up and smell the coffee, mean business, be purposeful, don't drift or go with the flow. And Peter continues with his practical advice. Be sober or self-controlled and set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Christ is revealed. And literally in the Greek, perfectly hope. Another wonderful expression. Perfectly hope. Sometimes today, perfection is frowned upon, isn't it? But if you want perfection, aim for that perfection. Perfectly hope in the grace that will be given to us. And what can overcome that perfect hope? What a wonderful thing to have to face the future, an uncertain future for us all. Verse 14, as obedient children, and the Greek here is even stronger, as children of obedience, you know, born of obedience, obedience through and through, do not conform or fashion yourselves to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy. And the sense of the Greek there is a once and for all decision. To be holy uh, sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But it's a command we do well to remember in every situation in which we find ourselves, especially the difficult or sad times. And just to be clear, we are not left to strive alone because once we have decided or purposed to be holy the Lord will send his Holy Spirit to guide us as he did with Daniel in the first book of Daniel we read Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official 
for permission. Now God had caused the official to show favour and sympathy to Daniel. Remember, the official said, the king's going to have my head if we get this wrong, but I'll give you a few days to trial it. And that's what happened. So do we see how it works? We purpose within our own circumstances to be holy and God honours that purpose and that decision and helps us to be holy. Verse 17 is another important concept in Peter's encouragement to his flock in that we are called to live as strangers here in reverent fear. Why? Because we call on a father who will judge all, including us, no one's exempt, according to their works. He will judge impartially. He has no favourites, not even us, his children. And so although, on the one hand, it is the Christian's joy in having such a wonderful father, we need to keep that in balance with reverent fear. And what does reverent fear mean? I think it's a deep and loving respect It's a not taking for granted. It's not casual, harking back to girding up the loins of our mind. You know, it's being purposeful and honouring. It's not a false or unfounded security. Sometimes the Jews expressed, if you remember, elsewhere in the Bible, they said, well, we have Abraham as our father. You know, we're all right Well, no, you're not all right if you don't couple it with that reverent fear of the Lord. We don't treat God as an indulgent, woolly Father Christmas figure. You know, Eartha Kitt's Santa baby song, you know, who will uh, simply go ho, ho, ho at all our sins and ignore them. That's a fairy tale. Such a God would be no God at all, certainly not worth worshipping. Our God is real. He will judge and punish accordingly. And so we should revere him. And verse 18 reminds us that we were redeemed from our empty way of life at huge cost. Not with silver or gold, which are perishable, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb Unblemished, unblemished and without spot. Priceless. You know, we've heard a lot about the results of the tech giants this week, haven't we? All of those tech giants combined come nowhere near to such value. So in light of that priceless cost, <clears throat> why wouldn't we yearn to respond in loving obedience and decide to be holy. We move on to our next reading with more practical advice in chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, 
hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. The tongue is a fire, James tells us in his letter, a world of evil. And that's proven, isn't it, when we see, particularly in the social media today, the things that people say, the things that they drag up from sometimes many years before as to what people have said, an unguarded word. So we need to be careful in what we say. Verse 2, freeing ourselves from such evils, we should crave pure spiritual milk, which is impliedly the word of God, and grow into our salvation, since we have tasted that the Lord is good. And it's a lovely image, isn't it, of a newborn baby at his mother's breast, taking that, that nutritious milk and growing. In many ways, we continue to grow as Christians, don't we? And the sense here then is that we grow ever stronger by literally digesting, inwardly digesting the scriptures. And on to our final passage, verse 9. And this is a wonderful encouragement for us all and very well-known words. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Words that trip off the tongue and make us feel great, but I wonder whether we really take them to heart, especially when we encounter opposition or humiliation as Christians. Can we really rise above all that and behave like a royal priesthood with direct access to the Father through what our High Priest Jesus has done for us and model the conduct of Christ before an increasingly secular and hostile world and above the roar of the mob and the insults declare the praises of the God who has led us out of the darkness they're still in and into his wonderful light. Do we do that with grace and without appearing aloof or condescending? Can we be like Jesus, who came alongside people, connected with them, helped and healed them, while at the same time not overlooking or diminishing their failings? I think that's a challenge for all of us. In verse 10, Peter makes an appeal to his readers' hearts by reminding them of their immediate history. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Literally in the Greek, again another wonderful expression, You have been mercied. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. I've been mercied. Well, in fact, I've been mercied all the time. I feel wonderful. Again, in light of that blessing alone, Peter can launch another appeal in verse 11. Dear friends, beloved, 
I urge you as aliens and strangers or outsiders in the world, a sobering status again that we should not forget, to abstain from sinful desires or fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Literally, the expression there is to engage in a military campaign. This is war, which is why we need to get serious and be prepared. So what's our plan of action in this war? What's the strategy? Verse 12 might be surprising. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they speak of you as evildoers, they may nevertheless see your good works and glorify God. And verse 13, the practical guidance continues. And remember the context here. There is a mad and sadistic emperor on the throne. So Peter's words would have been particularly difficult for his scattered flock. He said to them, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, the king as supreme, or governors whose task it is to punish those who do wrong, literally to wreak vengeance on them, or to praise well-doers. For it is God's will that by doing good, you silence, literally muzzle, the ignorant talk of foolish men. So we are are not to be distracted or discouraged from doing good. We are to run our race, as Paul says elsewhere in his letters, Keep in our lane. Don't be pushed off course like our competitor was in the women's 800 metres, if you saw it this week, you know, elbowed and so on. We are to run our race and keep in our lane. And finally, verse 16, live as free men and women, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God, literally douloi, slaves. Slavery to God, when you think of it, is true freedom. All other so-called freedom is an illusion. And Mother Teresa summed up all of this in her mantra, which I have quoted from before, but it's a lovely summary of uh, this message, I think, and is so appropriate, so I will end with that. This is what she said. And I got this, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, my wife Christine's L Decoration magazine, which I don't normally read, but I, <laughs> she pointed it out to me. Um, and this was the editor's letter in the March 2012. Uh, L Decoration magazine. She was quoting from Mother Teresa's mantra, which said this. 
People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone may destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's all between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway.